Hi, I wish I could ask you how's everyone doing today and you could give me a reply, but though it was my instinct to start out with asking, hey, how's everyone doing today? I've always kind of felt that, you know, why ask that question if no one can answer you? Or so anyway, I'm doing fine. It is Sunday morning, September 17th in Skokie, Illinois. The rain is coming down. The clouds are uh, certainly here to bring the rain, but it's a nice change, and I just hope it warms up a little bit before summer really decides to call it a day. Um, but it's been a nice refresher for some cooler weather. Anyway, this morning, uh, and or whenever you get to listen to this, the message is going to be about hanging on, and the description on our webpage and on SoundCloud, tells you all that you need to know before I preach this sermon during worship. It's one of my topic or theme messages. Uh, next Sunday, it's going to be about dealing with difficult people. I've got a lot of work to do before writing that sermon. But uh, I hope that you will get something out of this. There are a number of points, not exactly bullet points. I tried to, I tried to make this a nice flow. So it'd be easy to, to go along and pick stuff up as you go along, like you're kayaking down a, a, a river and you're picking up sticks and put them in, putting uh, maybe a canoe is a better illustration. But I hope that uh, what you pick up from uh, this message, if anything, uh, that that's better than sticks out of a probably somewhat dirty river. So thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the other side. Our elector this morning is Peter Svensson, who also happens to be our deacon, our head usher today. So, um, without going any further, you know, I will ask that you you let me lead you in a brief word of prayer before going towards the scriptures. Merciful God of all time and history, here we are in our time and in our place. We give you thanks for bringing us as far as you have. We give you thanks for the promise that you will be there in our future, as if you are waiting for us right now, that you will equip us for everything you call us to do, and that you will be with us when we're hanging on, even if it's by a thread. This blessing we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who also went through times when he was just hanging on, even if it was by the nails of the cross, and trusted in you. So do we. And it is in his blessed name we pray. Amen. All right, let's hear from Peter. Good morning. Good morning. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Isaiah will tell us soon. One way our spiritual strength, at least, is renewed is by spending time with the scriptures. You and I are about to do that. So beforehand, I ask you to please join me in the spirit of prayer that the spirit may indeed talk to us in these passages and renew those of us whose spirit does does need to be refreshed. Let us pray. Sometimes, Lord, for some of us, it might seem like we never hear from you. Our prayers may go unanswered for a while. 
The worship not moved us inside. But truly we admit that we hear from you every time we hear the scriptures in worship read. Help us to listen well and to discern all that your word says to us today. Keep our minds from wandering and enrich our understanding of the familiar passages. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first passage is Isaiah chapter 40, verses 25 through 31. Isaiah 40 has been called the beginning of 2nd Isaiah and the start of the book of consolation within Isaiah. The meaning is because scholars believe these chapters are about God bringing exiled Judah back to its land, its people restored to its proper home. There is promise and hope beginning to bud which these passages reflect. This begins with God speaking to Israel, who has been moaning about the absence of the Lord. To whom, then, will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint, or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This ends the reading from Isaiah. Our epistle lesson comes from the letter of the Hebrews, the author of which is unknown. We will hear verses 32 through 39 of chapter 10. The writer is seeking to convince these troubled, persecuted Christians not to throw in the towel. But recall those earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to abuse and persecution, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion for those who were in prison, and you cheerfully accepted the plundering of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves possessed something better and more lasting. Do not, therefore, abandon that confidence of yourself, of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the one who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, 
My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. But we are not among those who shrink back, and so are lost, but among those who have faith, and so are saved. This ends the reading from the letter to the Hebrews. For those who are able, please stand up for the reading of the Gospel. This morning, it is from Matthew chapter 24, verses 45 through 51. Jesus and the disciples have been talking about the signs of the end. In this passage, Jesus is telling them a parable. Who then is the faithful and wise slave whom his master has put in charge of his household to give the other slaves their allowance of food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master will find at work when he arrives. Truly, I tell you, he will put that one in charge of all his possessions. But if that wicked slave says to himself, My master is delayed, and he begins to beat his fellow slaves and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know. He will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites, there, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This ends the reading of the Gospel and the, scripture, and the Scriptures for this morning's worship. May God grant us a wise and faithful understanding of this, God's holy word. Some of us, maybe all of us, have those days when we are just barely hanging on. It's a triumph just to get through the end of the day by putting one foot in front of the other without hurting anyone or because we are nearing the end of our rope or our hope or our dope or our slippery slope. Hanging on maybe just because we must. Sometimes that goes hand in hand with the belief that we are fulfilling God's call in our lives, but it's then hard right now. It's long right now. I said the words, we have those days, but let's be honest, referring to hanging on implies it can be more, much more than a couple of days. And that's what I mean. Can we get some hope, some help, so we can keep hanging on, and hopefully more than just that? That's what I was thinking when I chose this sermon topic. How do you and I keep hanging on when we believe that is the faithful thing to do or the wise thing, the practical thing, the no choice about it even thing to do? What helps are there for us when that describes our life? Well, lest you and I think this is territory for persons who would not consider themselves so young anymore, Isaiah reminds us that's not true. Not only the over 40s have to hang on, even youths will faint and be weary, and the young shall fall exhausted. To me, those are examples of all kinds of folks, including the young, just hanging on. They're wiped physically 
both emotionally, mentally, and perhaps spiritually. And that's not helpful, that last one, since it is the realm of recovery, whichever way one's hanging on goes. One of my guest preachers, I was told, preached a sermon here on a similar topic years ago. And what I was told is she said something, one of our members related this to me. She said, when you're at the end of your rope, what should you do? Tie a knot. And from that knot, we hang on. But at least we have something easier to hold on to than a linear rope with just the end. So to hang on, let's tie a knot at the end of our rope. What would your knot be? What I think I would hold on to is my faith in God. Some of you will say my faith in God is what is weak at this. That's when I find myself just hanging on. That's not what's strong. Okay. What is your knot then? If you do not think it is your faith in God, is it something that could end up being God or faith if you go back far enough in thinking? It's a good question. But for the purposes of the sermon, I'm going to stick with faith as one main resource for being able to hang on. We can look to our faith in God as a first move to keep on hanging on. That has at least two ways we can look at it. One is from Isaiah 40. This morning's passage recalls at the beginning the creative power of God And though it wasn't made explicit about calling them out and naming them, not one of them being missing, those are the stars in the sky. God's knowledge of the stars is what's being lifted up. So God is saying through the prophet, how can Israel think that God does not see Israel as it apparently thinks God does not if it sees the stars? If God sees the stars. How could we think the same? Oh, God's not really paying attention to us. If God is so mighty and all-knowing as to know the stars, why wouldn't God know us? God does see us. God does see us. I confess, when I hear the phrase, I see you, I think of revivals, where persons who give their lives to Christ are told to raise their hand, and the leader calls out, I see that hand. I see you. I also think of how in her song, This Is How We Do, Katy Perry says to a certain group mentioned in the song, I see you. God sees us. We have faith in this God, and that's not all. We learn that the Lord does not faint or grow weary. He gives power to the faint. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. This is whom we have access to through our faith, the mighty creator God who gives his own power to fainting, hanging on people who look to God with expectation. When Isaiah wrote in verse 26, because God is great in strength, mighty in power, Well, I think, well, that's Hebrew parallelism. It's a form of poetry in Hebrew. I read, that's another another way to think about that is the Lord's might there. God's great in strength, mighty in power. God's might there is emphasized like that, quote, 
as a plural of amplification of God's power. A plural of amplification of God's power. This God who never faints, never gets weary, is who will give us God's power. In verse 29, the sense of the Hebrew is power conferred by God. Yes, God's power conferred to us through faith. Now another way to make that not into faith in God is seeing it a different way. And I owe this next part to Sharon James and her Girlfriends in God devotional that I found online. And she writes, helpfully, just because you do not see God working does not mean that he isn't. Jesus said in John 5, my father is always at work. Today you might be on lap number seven and not even know it. She invokes the story of the Hebrews marching around the walled city of Jericho seven times until the walls fell. She said Joshua told them to march around Jericho. Seven doesn't, he told them to march around Jericho, but he didn't tell them how many times they were going to have to do it. He just said to march forward and be silent. Remain silent. Suppose, she said, they had stopped on day six, saying, this is ridiculous. I'm not feeling it. Not one stone has fallen to the ground. I don't see any progress. The folks in there are probably laughing their heads off. I'm going home. They would have missed the blessing. She continued, I wonder how many times I have missed the blessing because I stopped too soon. Perhaps you've wondered, how much longer will I have to wait until God brings my prodigal home? How much longer will I have to endure this dead-end job? How much longer will I have to go without a job? How much longer will I have to struggle in this loveless marriage and or cycle of manipulation? How many more laps will I have to march around Jericho before the walls come tumbling down? She writes, I don't know the answer to the question of how much longer, but I do know this. Tomorrow could be the final lap. Don't give up too soon. A prayer for those hanging on in faith followed to suitably end her peace. And this prayer that she wrote says, Lord, sometimes I just get tired of trying, tired of hanging on, tired of believing for a miracle. Fill me with your power to persevere. I'll take the next step. I believe for the next day, I will not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. For so many of us then, we can hang on because of our faith, which tells us, one, God gives God's own power to hang on in and perhaps even run again as we've waited upon the Lord. Or we can hang on because of our faith, because we understand that God can be at work even if we do not see God at work and therefore not give up too soon we may miss the blessing. What I have found very important 
is not only belief that God will provide the strength I need to keep hanging on, and believe me, I believe that sometimes it is a miracle for us to just get out of bed in the morning. That's the Holy Spirit helping us. God will provide the strength I need to keep hanging in and to trust the love of God beyond my own emotions or circumstances. But also, what helps me is that a purpose, I believe that a purpose is somehow being served by my hanging on. Some of you have heard me tell the story of one summer that we religious volunteers at Cook County Jail came five Wednesdays in a row to do our volunteer service, running a chapel service, only to hold no chapel services. The guards never brought the prisoners down to chapel. Five Wednesdays in a row. For me, that was 45 minutes each way for nothing. We did not quit because despite these considerable inconveniences, we believed that we were called to do that. A call, sense of God's call, brings out a commitment that ignores being inconvenienced. You're called. John Maxwell said, a difficult time can be more readily endured if we retain the conviction that our existence holds a purpose a cause to pursue, a person to love, a goal to achieve. And then we think about the church hanging in there. John Calvin's friend Theodore Beza said to the king of France, May it please you, sire, to remember, the church is an anvil which has worn out many hammers. We have a purpose in being here. And very possibly then a purpose in what you and I are doing while we're hanging in there. While we're barely hanging on. Nothing will wear out God's purposes. Though our parts in them may be small, it's still a privilege to play a part in God's purposes. And that's why I chose the gospel lesson. The faithful slave did what was told of him feeding the fellow slaves and keeping them in line so the household would be healthy and ready when the master came back, even though he didn't know when he was going to be coming back. The overseer slave had a purpose, which undergirded his own long-term hanging on, which he may not have enjoyed at all. As Carolyn Allison used to say, it doesn't mean you have to like it. And this endurance received a commendation from Jesus Christ. Now, by now, some of you might be wondering if or when I'm going to bring up prayer. Prayer keeps you and me in com communion with the Creator God who gives divine power to the faint and to the weary. Prayer is one way to call upon God for what we need to get through another day, another shift, another night, another meeting, another weekend without losing it. Well, one of my favorite prayers is from St. Vincent de Salle, which is really a benediction or teaching more than a prayer. He wrote, Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you tomorrow and every day. Either he will shield you from suffering or he will give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace then, and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginations. Another one I found last week, 
I also like from St. Brendan of Ireland. It includes this. This is not the whole prayer. Christ of the mysteries, I trust you to be stronger than each storm within me. I will trust in the darkness and know that my times, even now, are in your hand. Tune my spirit to the music of heaven, and somehow may be my obedience will count for you. Prayers like those, springing from faith, can help you and me keep hanging on. We draw on God's might and God's love. Prayers of faith are a means of access to God's power and access to God's power within us by grace through faith. Prayer is a way that God talks to us and reminds us God is within the hearts of God's people. There is a capital R, resurrection spirit, within. If Christ crucified and risen is within, prayer reminds us of this, because we can get kind of far away, and we can forget that, hey, Jesus risen, the spirit of resurrection, that's within us by faith. And if we can forget that, and it is itself, this prayer, a channel for us to tap this spirit within us into how we live and how we keep on hanging on. Let me tell you a story. I'm nearing the end if you're getting antsy. But I I like this story. Long ago, a young pastor was called right out of seminary to serve a small, poor church in Tennessee. The church was more than 50 years old, but this was its first installed pastor. The people scrimped and saved to come up with the money for their new pastor's salary, and as a result, had done little to decorate their one-room wood-frame meeting house. Preparing for the new pastor's arrival, it occurred to them they ought to have some sort of artwork on the wall. So they had a contest, inviting members to contribute some sort of framed picture. The winning entry, submitted by a young girl, was a picture from a magazine. They, and it, it was, let's see, I lost my place. My, my, forgive me. It was a picture from a magazine. It was a close-up of the face of a bulldog. Below the frame, they hung a sign. Get a good grip on your faith and don't turn loose. They saw the image as a motivational, urging God's people to persist. Yet in another way, It's not our grip that has to be the one that matters, that's most important. Maybe we are not meant to be the bulldog. Maybe that's God. God hangs onto us with a fierce grip of unwearying love. God hangs onto us like a bulldog would hang onto us in a good way unwearying love. This bulldog doesn't get tired. While we barely hang in there, God is gripping us, not letting us go, until it's time to see us through, until we truly are through. I could dig dig deeper, but time is against us. Working on this subject led me to realize that hanging on is not always the faithful response to the places God has led us. 
Is it God's will, for example, for battered women and molested children to stay in a marriage or family because their conservative church says so? No. There are times when holding on can be the wrong thing to do. Perseverance can do more harm than good. Winston Churchill's phrase, if you're going through hell, keep going, sounds noble and inspirational. I myself am attracted to that phrase. Yet there are times there may be from God a way out to accept. That may be God at work as well. I did leave the jail after all. I don't, I'm not continuing to go through. Our calls do change. Our situations can become overrun by the will of others who are not healthy for our service to God. But this calls for prayerful discernment. In an email meditation called On a Journey, Tom Ehrlich wrote of giving up, you know, not holding on anymore, but giving up. And he said, at that moment, there's no more research to do. There's no book to read. There are no hands to hold. There is only God. And that, he says, is a frightening and disturbing place. But being left alone with God is a hard place to be, for what if God's answer to my asking isn't what I wanted to hear? Well, remember the might and grace and presence of God in Christ. If giving up was the faithful decision of stopping hanging on and going to taking that way to another situation where God is calling you, and it leads to a scary place, a wilderness perhaps, well, God is still with you. And though I understand him saying that's a frightening and disturbing place, it's, like, it's you and God, oh my God. God is still with you. Just because we do not see God working doesn't mean that God isn't. I'm not, the God that we would be alone with and face to face with, as it were, is the God of is Jesus Christ, the God of love and grace and forgiveness and mercy and purpose for our lives and the resurrection spirit to pursue that purpose. Take heart. All of our times are in God's hand. And that is very good news. Especially if we are just hanging on. We are always in God's hand. Hi, it's me again, brought back for our outro, as we call it. I hope that you found some value in uh, the message today. Uh, a couple of people told me afterwards that they liked the sermon, and I always appreciate that because I don't know if nobody tells me. And it gives me hope then that some of you found some good in it for you too. That's also going to be going to be my hope, and is it my hope for next week, when, as I said, I'll preach on dealing with difficult people. I've already talked to some people uh, who are 
my peers or younger who have said, uh, given me some advice. They've given me some of their techniques for dealing with difficult people. So I have no doubt that you will hear some of them without naming names, perhaps. Uh, but their input may very well be reflected in next week's message. So, you're not going to be relying on just the red-headed preacher's wisdom, as limited as it is, when dealing with such an important topic that a lot of people have, have to do. We have to deal with difficult people. It could be in our family, it could be at school, it could be at work, it could be in the neighborhood or somewhere else, it could be in our house of worship. So, again, uh, thank you for tuning in. I, we really appreciate it here at St. Peter's United Church of Christ. And I pray that God will bless you and your loved ones today and throughout your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to The Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much.